Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Showtime. Blog Talk Radio. All right. Sunday night, late night radio. What fun. up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues lordy tell me how long lordy tell me how long will i have to wait will i have to wait can i get you now can i get you now must i hesitate
William? Yes? You're going to hell. If you okay. look on your face if you look on your Facebook page right now, probably get a little ding going on right now. You'll see exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're going to hell. Um, yeah. Well, we will leave it as that right now. It was funny, but you're going to hell. All right, all right, all right. Okay, uh, we got we got a couple of announcements to make. Um, our our little buddy's not here tonight. He's not feeling well. Tom Tom has a migraine. I think he's got a romantic evening with his wife. That wouldn't surprise me any. I think so. I think that they were in the mood. Why are we whispering? He can hear us tomorrow. Well, in that case, we'll just have to let him know that uh, tonight's show has been brought to you in part by Cialis. For when the moment is right. <laughs> and go get him, little buddy. <laughs> We're rooting for you. No. no, actually, he, he, his excuse was, I mean, it's a classic excuse. You know, you call your boss, oh, I got a migraine. Oh, we'll take two aspirin and... Well, if if we were actually paying him, we would say, take two aspirin and get your ass to work. But we're not actually paying them, so we have to say, you will, buddy. Exactly. It's the next best thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're we're not paying them. So, you know, we we can't say take two aspirin and, you know, pick up the phone and call us. So we're not paying them. Even Even if we were paying them, we would probably say, Go get him, buddy. But then no, again, that's so, nothing's really stopping us from calling him and saying, hey, are you awake? That is true. Oh, my gosh, you got a good point. <laughs> huh. We might have to do that tonight. All right. All right. We, we, we got some announcements to make. Um, we have Chuck Chapman, and I'm I'm actually surprised. I, I don't, now that I think about it, because Tom loves Chuck. 100%. Yep, so I don't, and when we, I made the, I made a surprise announcement, in which I, Chuck, don't hang up on us. I see you're there. When we made, when I made you guys a surprise announcement, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you who's going to be on the show. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you before the show. And then when I did the grand reveal, Tom's like, "Oh, I love him." So I, I think maybe Tom might have a migraine. I, because I don't see him passing talking to Chuck because him and Chuck, they, they have a, they have a, they have a bromance going on too. You know, Tom, Tom loves Chuck, so maybe oh, yeah. his headache is legit. So. You know what this means, though, William. We're going to have well, to get I, Chuck back on the show when Tom does not have a migraine. That's true. That's very true on that part. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, yeah, I, I would have to say that maybe Tom is correct. And he probably doesn't want you and I beating in his head with our words and how we speak. And he's probably like, I can't do it. It's, so, well, I mean, it's either that or, it, it, you know, it, it's either that or he's going to listen to the rebroadcast tomorrow and just go, oh, God, no. Oh, I should have drank the Bloody Mary last night. It would have helped today. No, Tom, seriously, exactly. we love you, buddy. We love you, little buddy, and uh, we hope you feel better. Get some rest. Get some rest. We love soon, you. We'll, 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 see we'll you next get. Week, I we'll, promise. We'll get Chuck back on for you. So, because I I do know that you do love Chuck Chapman. Well, not in you know that way, but you know in a professional way. Uh, we also have Nicholas Grabowski on the phone. Hey, Hello. Hello. Yeah, right, we so, do. You're here. Woo-woo. So, yeah, we got uh, a truck. Don't hang up yet. We just got a couple of more announcements. Okay. uh, See, I hate making this decision without uh, Tom here. Let's do – I mean, it's Easter Sunday. Let's not book anybody for the show next week. Let's just have fun next week again. And I'm going to message Jim and I, Burke, we did – he did cancel on us a couple of weeks ago because he was sick. So I'm going to message uh, Jim and I and maybe get him on the Sunday after Easter. So maybe Easter Sunday, I'm I'm sure that uh, Jim and I would like to celebrate Easter Sunday the way that he celebrates Easter Sunday. So... Let's let's talk to Jim and I. I'm sure we can get Jim and I Burke on the week after Easter Sunday. So let's do. Uh, what do you, What do you think, William? See, it feels weird because Tom's not here, and it's kind of like, well, let's let's make a decision. Do you want to work on Easter Sunday, William? How about if we wait for Tom and we can all talk about that maybe this later okay. this week? Okay, so yeah, we'll 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 talk about that. We'll we can either do a free for all show or we can you know say hey you know it's Easter Sunday. Don't turn on your computers and listen you know, to us. You know you know what you could do is just postpone it until Monday night and you can call it Keister Monday. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, then we then everything's gonna be half off. So uh, what are, what are we taking off? Uh, I do have a bunch of sixlets that I gotta unload. I I went nuts last Easter. It was fifty percent off. I got like six huge bags of sixlets. Well, you know uh, what else we could take off is we could uh, we could just do it all naked. There we go. Oh. <laughs> Please, nobody send photos. Yeah. Just, just trust us. We'll do it naked. No, no yes. video. <laughs> no video. No, no. Don't uh, keep talking. Unless you like to pay us. Unless, unless we can hire an, uh, an 
animator to uh, to do uh, like renditions of what we look like. Exactly, and then we'll sell prints for about uh, three thousand dollars a piece, autograph. Oh yeah. Okay. But well, it would be half let's off. Just, let's just not get Howard Stern to prank us anymore. He's like, holy crap, they're broadcasting nude now. They're singing about yeah, really dogs and. All right. Like yeah. I offended him the last time he was he he he. Yeah, called he it. hung up on us. Great. He hung up on us. <laughs> All right. Okay. I so I gotta get I, I got I gotta get on with the announcements. Oh. There's people that depends on us, and we gotta get Chuck Chapman on too. Not the cut Yeah, you might say like you know we don't want to. And Chuck Chapman, and he might say, uh, "Ah, you guys are gonna be broadcasting nude." Uh, wait, 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 wait. No, he's got the tongue draw. You guys are gonna be broadcasting nude. I don't know if I won't be a part of this joke. I might just have to hang up on you. Ain't your belt? Your belt during the show too. I'm, I'm from South Carolina. We're we're raised better than that one. Well, kiss I, my can say, I can honestly say that. I can honestly say that because I was raised in South Carolina, and uh, you know, a lot of Californians hold that against me. But you know what? And then when they kind of think about it, and they were like, you know, that that that's Redneck City. I was like, hell no, that ain't Redneck City. There's more rednecks in California. Than there is in South Carolina. South Carolina's got money. Oh shit, you're right. Duh. Did, did, did Surprise. You, did you learn history? I was like the rich. That. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So people hearing that I'm from South Carolina, here in California, they're like, "Oh, do you have paved roads? What? Oh, do you?" Do, have you studied history in, in in school? All right, all right, all right. Okay, a couple of a couple of announcements. We're going to bring on Chuck Chapman. Okay, first of all, don't forget to go to honestamish.com. Get all your beard. Not only if you're not growing a beard, like William, he's he's not growing a beard. Uh, like Tom, he is. Grancy is. Grancy is. How, how's it coming out so far? Pretty good. You know what? I it's 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 getting there. I I got I, I'm, with my old age. You know, I'm I I am getting those little fly hairs. Um, the best way I can think of to take care of these fly hairs and make them a little bit smoother and not like spring up everywhere in all different kinds of directions is. You have the honest Amish beard and mustache, goatee, whatever you have. They have the best essential oils. They have the soaps. They have the conditioners. But it's just not all about beard and mustaches either. They also have skin products, which I do use. They have this great hand salve. I think I always, I think I always pronounce that wrong. Skin salve, you know, like yeah, that, that's that's that good. Stuff. Yeah, salve. Yeah, 
house. It, it, it's wonderful. My hands are dry after I do the dishes. I use just a little tiny pinch of that, and it makes my hands as smooth as a baby's butt. Not that I've ever touched a baby's butt, but they do. Not that I've ever looked at a baby's butt either. I'm feeling really terrible about it. But anyways, if you use the promo code TALKINGBEARDS, you will get 15% off. And here's the good news. I heard that Aaron D. Johnston stated that that Talking Beards code has been used over 3 million times, which means wow. that is a good product. If that promo code has been used over 3 million times, you know that's a good, that's a good product. And it's made in the USA, and it's all natural. So please go to honestamish.com, use promo code TALKINGBEARDS. Get, get, you got to try the product. Just try it. It's great stuff. says, product good. Product very, very good. Very, very good. It smells great. It's great. I can tell you that product smells great because when I was walking up to the mailbox, I could smell it inside the mailbox <laughs> way before I even opened our mailbox. It was, I could smell it. I was like, what is that smell? It, it, it's all natural. You're not going to lose. you got to get the product. I believe in the product because my hands always get dry out of nowhere. The hand itself, just a little tiny pinch goes a long way. And my hands are extremely soft afterwards. Okay, and one more thing, and then we're going to bring Chuck Chapman on. I know Nick loves them. Well, of course you love them. And William, I know you love them also. And I know Tom's going to be like, budge. Um, one more thing, don't forget, check out Rescue Me with Tommy Habib. He's doing a great thing there. He's rescuing dogs. He's building sanctuaries for dogs. He's placing dogs in great homes. I love what Tommy Habib is doing with the whole Rescue Me. And if you look online, you will see that he is 100% legit because he is actually Betty White approved. Betty White and him did this big fundraiser together and uh, so he's Betty White approved. He's putting his heart into it. He's building these sanctuaries. Please look up these dogs and help Tommy Habib volunteer. He wants volunteers. If he's in your area, volunteer to help out with the sanctuary. You know, play with, oh, my gosh, how can you say, uh, I'm going to volunteer to play with puppies? <laughs> how bad is that? To get kid, uh, puppy licks all over your face every all day long. Yeah, I, I'll yeah but then, <laughs> yeah, but but then, then you get the temptation of wanting to adopt them all, and you know, and then Nick's gonna come home yeah. and come in from the garage, and he's gonna be like, Francie, what the hell? Yeah, there's like fifty dogs. Nick is kind of be like the Flintstones with Dino and. 
there's like 50 dogs running at him, and he's going to be like, what the hell? I love it, but what the Why? Why? What's going on? I love it, but what? I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that would be Nick. All right, are we hey, ready for the man of the hour? Yes. Yeah, he's probably sitting here like, oh, come on. Come on. They said it. He said uh, 11 o'clock. What's, what's going on? I hear he's a good writer, and I hear he's a good musician. He's got stage (laughs) presence. He's got good songs. Plays guitar just right, and he writes good books, too. And he looks like Joe Walsh. He he is. (laughs) Was that Nick, or was that actually Chuck? Chuck, you're live. I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of like Joe Walsh. I mean, that's her. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to confuse you. Too. Hey, how 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 was our? You know, it's it's funny to me because when you when I talk to you, I love it because of the Southern draw. That that's South Carolina right there. Mine's not and very that, thick for South Carolina at all, and there's there's places around here that are a lot worse than me. That's for sure. No, no, no. You're actually sure. really good accent. When I was when I was living in South Carolina, and I thought this was funny. And in fact, uh, when I went to the fair, and there was actually the Canadians that were running the fair, and I would talk to them. They're like, "Where are you from?" I was like pretty much raised here. They're like, we're here accent. <laughs> and everybody in South Carolina, whenever they talk to me, they're like, where are you from? I'm like, we're raised here. They're like, no, 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 you yeah, have see, I no get that, accent. I get that same thing. See, I get that same thing around here. No one thinks I'm from here. Oh, geez. <laughs> so how you been, Chuck? I've been good. It's been busy. Been staying really crazy busy, but it's been good. Oh, good. Yeah. And then, how, how did your last show go? Because I was, I was looking at some of the uh, pictures over the weekend. Now, are you talking music show or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it went well. It was kind of just a pop-up show, um, but it still went well. Um, had a pretty good crowd turnout and stuff, so. It was just kind of just now getting, you know, everything put back together to start performing live on a regular basis again. So that was kind of the first time out there. Oh, good. Got oh, more stuff yeah. coming up soon. Yeah, that's, that's that. Now that everything is becoming back to normal, you do forget that there was that gap where nothing was normal. And you couldn't do shows. You couldn't do live shows. Right. Yeah, it, it was a while. It was weird. It was the longest probably that I had been off stage in, you know, since I started performing. I mean, when I started performing at like 16, 17, I had not been off a stage for a six-month period, I don't think, until wow. COVID. Wow. So, uh, when I mean, you... I mean, oh, go uh, ahead, William. 
I would say it's, so it's definitely good to be back. It is. It is. And, you know, I've done, done a couple of theater shows. So doing doing a little live theater. I'm doing um, just joined a dinner theater troupe here in town. So I'm doing that regularly. Um, so doing a show with the dinner, a, a place called The Dinner Detective. They're all over the country. Um, I do the local one here in Greenville. So it's a, it's a fun show. It's Murder Mystery Dinner Theater. So that's probably going to be my theater acting for a while. Um, yeah, I do have a, I do have a question about that because uh, this is something that I've always because you know you hear about the mystery trains and everything else is a lot of that improv because you don't know really what the the customers are going to do with that like how are they going to respond Correct. so is a lot of that improv it is it's probably wow. it's according to your role but the role that I usually play. It's probably about seventy five percent scripted and about twenty five percent improv. That's, oh, wow. that's what I thought. That's that's what I thought because you know you're mm. going to say the customer's going to think this way, and then you got to change it, or you well, got right. to you know, convince I'll, them well, like, that we'll pull up. Yeah, we pull up people kind of at random, um, and you know involve them in the show, and you don't always know how they're going to respond. You know how are they going to answer the questions that you ask them. So you have to kind of roll with whatever they say. You've got to turn it, and you've got to keep it, keep it funny, and keep it on track. So yeah, you got to entertain them. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I I would have to say that that murder mystery. I mean, honestly, because I thought about that a lot. You know, because it is pretty fascinating because you don't know how the guest is going to respond and. I always wondered, do you get them back on track with your script, or do you improv? So I'm glad you answered that question. Yep, that's what we do. We have to make we have to make the story tell the way it's supposed to tell, but it it makes it a different show every night. So even though we we do the same script for about a, a three month period, and then we'll switch into a different script. Um, but for that three-month period, you know, we're doing the same show, but because it's a different audience every night, it's a different show every night. Yeah. You know, you yeah. you start the same and you end the same, but what happens in between <laughs> can always change. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. So that <laughs> – I think that's fascinating that you're able to do that. I think that's awesome. And just finished Comic-Con. South Carolina Comic-Con was this weekend, which is a huge show. So just finished it. In fact, just got home from it about three hours ago. Oh, wow. So nice. Did you know, really, pretty good really turnout well. this year? Oh, a great crowd. It's like I said, it's a huge show. It has, oh, gosh, I think it does, you know, eight or 10,000 people on the weekend. So it's, a, it's wow. a pretty big show, and you know did really really well. So I try to do it every week, every year, because the good thing is it's here in town. So you know don't have to do a hotel room, get to sleep in my own bed at night. So that's nice, and you know good profit because you don't have all the expenses that I have when I travel to shows. So. Exactly. But I'm a little hoarse because I've been talking to people for two straight days. 
Oh yeah, then, then we, you definitely do a number on you. Yeah, we we sold a lot of books, Nick, so you can be happy about that. <laughs> oh, awesomeness! Yeah. And you know, I wanted to—I've been uh, dying to say this to you. I haven't really had much of a chance. I, I um, the whole like the past month with Black Bedsheet Books—it's kind of a little bit been on the back burner. Um, I, I check my messages, and I'm trying to finish up royalties. Just so much to do. So many behind-the-scenes things, but. Um, <laughs> And and one like a big thing that's been plaguing me is the long amount of time that Amazon takes to get books out, and it's so weird. That, and I told you that the books aren't going to come until like later and stuff. And it, it's like the next day, it's like Amazon, like um, like um, uh, they they uh, took care of your order, and in no time that week they were. I was just going, it was like blowing my mind because I have such a problem with them, but with you. Maybe because you're so famous, you're you're the Chuck W. Chapman. I don't know, but they they you got your books that that same week, well in time for I your did. Monday I got show. Really fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, I got it in like. I I got I got it. I got a confession since Nick was talking about this. He's like, "What the hell? Why why is there only sixteen dollars left of Chuck Chapman's books?" And I was like, "Nick, I didn't spend a penny." <laughs> he was and he went on Amazon and he was like, "Oh my gosh, the books went through." I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. thought that Nick was gonna say, "Why did you spend the money?" I was like, "Nick, I and I was fully prepared. I didn't spend nothing." <laughs> I no, they, it actually, for once this year so far, it actually worked like it was supposed to. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. It worked out great. Right. I got them in plenty of time. Um, I did get them in like multiple shipments. It was like ninety percent of them were in one shipment, and then I got a shipment with like four, and then I got a shipment with like two, and then I got like one by itself. <laughs> yeah, for some reason they do that too, like Raina. Uh, young, uh, she's supposed to get her books this week, and they're all like small, like you know, 98 pages books. And uh, but th- she's getting like 15 different small packages of them dispersed throughout the week. It's like what? What? I just don't. Yeah, I strange. I have no idea why. But that's what they've oh, been I've doing. <laughs> it's like I've almost even when I ordered, I ordered a few Halloween fours the other week too, and. And they all came individually. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I've got <laughs> a couple like that, just individual. Which is really strange. But, um, yeah. So yeah. I've, got, I've almost got my new one ready. So hopefully be turning the new one in for you in a couple of months and maybe less. Awesome. Well, well first let's talk about the sure. one that we're talking about now because uh, – uh, you know, people are probably looking at the title and saying, let's get freaky on a moped with Chuck uh, Jackman. <laughs> the hell can you do on a moped? I will tell you, though, I did kiss one of my boyfriends when I was 13 years old. My boyfriend had a moped, and I did kiss him while we were driving down the street. So tell well, us about she- Freaks on a Moped. You know, Nick, that shows she's traded up, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll like it. You know, I mean, not that the ladder is that tall, but she definitely traded up. 
um, <laughs> I think. Um, no, he, he was actually kind of cool. In fact, uh, my uh, my more developed friend who hit puberty before me stole him from me and then uh, dumped him. Once he dumped me, and he was like, "Okay, I'm single now. Hello." And she's like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, I'm breaking up with you. And I was like, ha, ha, don't come back. <laughs> but yeah, um, Things like that happen. Uh, it was originally a screenplay. So when I, when I first really got into writing, I started writing for screenplays because I've always been such a horror movie buff and stuff. So I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to write films. So I wrote Freak on a Moped. It was to be a film, so I wrote it as a screenplay. I knew absolutely nothing about filmmaking at the time and got in with some less than scrupulous characters and mainly one who basically stole my footage and stole my hard drive. We shot the entire film. took about three months. Um, Lots of people involved. People drove from other states. It had a really good cast. I played in it. I um, had tons of friends involved, and I have no idea what it looks like because I never saw any of it except a couple of trailers that he wow. sent to me, and it never got any oh, further. Um, he stopped communicating with me. He blocked me on everything. And so after chasing him for two or three years, um, in this time, in between, Nick and I had hooked up. We had he had published Family Man for me. He had published a short story for me, um, and so I kind of pitched to him after Family Man. I'm like, "Hey, I have this story that I'd written as a screenplay, and I think it would make a great book. And it looks like it's never going to be a movie anyway. So, what do you think?" I gave him the title. I gave him a quick synopsis. He loved it. And so we turned it into the book version, and I'm really happy that we did because it just got named um, as Nick Nick sent me a message and said, hey, do you know that you're up for Indie Horror Novel of the Year on Critters.org? And I'm like, no, I didn't. That is awesome. And we ended up winning. And you won. Yes, you did. Yep. And we won. So that was amazing and super cool. Um, So obviously the book version is working well. Um, just beginning to get the word out there on it because it only came out in November. So, you know, it takes a little while to get the word out. Um, Family Man's still selling great. Family Man sold really well this weekend. But we sold some (laughs) Freak on a Moped as well. Um, So, so yeah, that's how it um, arrived. And the original script was only – I did the book in like a part one and a part two. They're in the same book, of course. So – and part one was the original movie concept, and part two I wrote as, okay, because if you're doing a movie, you always set a movie up for a sequel. So I kind of stopped the movie there where part one in the book ends, so part two in the book was totally new. So I um, converted the screenplay to, to book form, and then I had to add. So the second part, I had no idea what happened either. I didn't know how it was going to end because… I'm probably right, very unorthodox, because I don't really make an outline or anything. I kind of like yeah, my characters, I never and I let my story. Yeah, I never understood the outline thing. 
you know, I let me my either. story tell me and my characters tell me how the book ends because I usually don't know. I find out okay. how it ends when it ends. The, I, the story tells me how it's going to end, not the other way around. Yeah, I, I, I actually like that you said that because I don't make an outline either. You know, okay, I only had one book published, but making an outline – what you said, though, and William, I believe that you said that you don't make outlines either. Nope. Okay, no, I, 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 like you said, I mean, the story and the characters tell you how it's going to end, which means that it. I, I kind of like how you responded to that because it feels like you're closer to your characters than this uh, piece of screen work on the side it's like okay so Johnny's going to get stuck in a well you know Timmy's going to get stuck in a well you know I think I think what you said was perfect because it seems like not making the outline draws you closer to the character well, does I mean, that make sense for me. I know that's, that's not the most orthodox way to do it from what I've heard but it, it's what works for me and it is – I immerse myself into that world. I mean literally like if I'm writing, you know, in this case, the city is called, was called Daimler, which is just a fictional city that I made up in South Carolina. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I would go into my area to ride, I would just tell my wife, going to Daimler, see you later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. You know. Same thing when I was writing Family Man, I would do the same thing. Go into the ranch. <laughs> I'm off to the ranch. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I. So. I mean, yeah, ahead, but, but, you know, for something like that, I, I might have even taken it one step further as a way of kind of, you know, hinting towards what you're working on, and maybe, uh, you know, send a little postcard to be like, you know, greetings from Daler. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I feel like I really know my characters by the end, and I feel, you know, it's like I'm wanting them to tell me their story, tell me what happens. And that's yeah. kind of the way it works for me. It's kind of the way I write is I rarely know how my story's going to end. Usually I have a basic idea of what's going to happen, but then it takes me where it wants to go. I, I, I think that's great because it does make your characters more personable to you. And because it's going to be more personable to you, in my opinion, it's it's going to make you write them better. They're going to develop, and you're going to develop with them. It's like you're raising well, a baby. Yeah, you know, well, and I try to be my own worst critic because if I lose interest in this story or if I'm not personally invested, why should my reader be? That's a good point. Exactly. That's very true. You know, so that's that's why, always true. Course, that's always of, true. That's a good, uh, uh, like a check mark to what you're doing, if it's going to work or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's common sense, really. If you're not interested in it, it shows on paper. If you force it, it shows on paper. And if you're not interested in it and you don't even get it on paper, I mean, you know, enough said. But uh, then don't well, put it on I paper. I tell people I've written probably – I've had probably 25, 30 songs published. I've actually recorded around 30 songs. I've written over 200. 
Oh, wow. Oh, my. You know, so that tells me Very the, other prolific. 170, the other 170 weren't good enough to put out. <laughs> well, save it for the box set for later. I was going to say that. You're going to be like Prince. They're going to go into your after way later after you you die when you're like 95. They're going to go into your <laughs> vaults and uh, and and check on all the unreleased material. They're going to go wow. This really was garbage. I'm glad he didn't put this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason this is in a file cabinet somewhere. It needs to stay there. I, I think that's the way you kind of keep your chops. So, you know, you're not going to – I don't care who you are. I guarantee you Stephen King throws stuff away. You know, I'm not oh, sure yeah. how he has time to. But, yeah. You know, there's got to be stuff wouldn't that you like to just to have – wouldn't you like to have, like, be Stephen King's garbage man? Do you think they really – I mean, think about it. Stephen King, he puts his garbage can outside, and the garbage men are like, this is Stephen King's house. Yeah, what I, I think – You know, Francie, that's how he got started with the garbage can. He got started with the garbage can, remember? He threw away Carrie, and then his wife yeah. picked it up out of the garbage. Oh. <laughs> Oh my yeah, gosh. I was, gonna, oh, I was you know, I good eye. Maybe, maybe Dean Koontz is like Stephen King's garbage man or something. He comes <laughs> and says, oh, I, I can work with this. That's not a good story. I think if I was Stephen King's garbage woman, not that, well, come on, it's a garbage man. I would be like, what's in the can? What's in the can? Dump it slowly. <laughs> Just take yeah, honestly, it, it, oh, wow. What's I'm in the box, Steve? Did you hear that? This point, anything yeah, you put well, out, it doesn't that? even matter if it's good. Yeah, I think anything, yeah. If Stephen King was a silly Billy, silly Billy, I, I don't know that. If he would have wrote, um... Oh crap! I can't even think of any of these stupid. Um... Oh, what's that? Uh, okay, never mind. My mind's blank. I, I was thinking about the guy that had the penis that was so long. The guy that there has the penis. There was a man from Philly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay, so and, and I guess obviously I was he probably was probably was writing a whole thing. That was written by Stephen King. Yeah, I was going to say you know, you know what was what was bad. I was yeah. at a church activity. Yeah, I was at a church activity, and there was a whole bunch of us youth in there, and it got quiet, and everybody's like, "Why is this so quiet?" And I did not know the poem. I only heard the first words from Family Guy. There once was a man in Philly, and all the guys were like, I was like, that's all I know. And they were like, oh, thank goodness. 
And then when I heard the poem, I was like, oh, my gosh, I said that at a church event. That was a church. Okay, that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> you change gears there really fast. <laughs> she showed <laughs> up. <laughs> I, I did that at a church event, but let's say, okay, Stephen King wrote that poem and he just like tossed it and he signed it and, okay, never mind. Never mind. Okay, so Chuck, talk to us yeah. more about Freaks on a Moped. Freak on a Moped. Freak. It's one freak. Yeah, it's only yeah. one. Yeah, there's just one. And he kills um, everybody. Yeah, he he goes through and he's just, you know, terrorizing the small town and it's up to this um of course the the stereotypical small town sheriff's department to solve the crime. So I I tried to uh, stick as close to um, 80s horror stereotypes and scenarios as possible because it's it's what I know, it's what I love, it's what I grew up watching. And so that's generally how I'm probably going to write. Um, obviously, Family Man was different from that, but because Family Man was historical um, and I had to be true to the real people and true to the real characters, um, that's why I had some fun with Shep. I had some um, some fun with some dark comedy in there, but at the same point, I couldn't go as far with the dark comedy in something with historical significance where real people actually died. Um, right. Yeah. You know, I can make fun of killing fake people. You know, it's perfectly fine for – I mean, there's the, the um, scenario in the book in Freak where – this couple's just, you know, this, you know, minor curlers and dad and his old, you know, stained wife beater sitting there watching Wheel of Fortune and stuff, and they hear screaming outside, and, you know, she keeps bugging him to get up and look and see what it is, see what it is. He raises, you know, raises the window shade, looks out, and goes, ah, oh, it's just some freak on a moped. Go back to sleep. <laughs> you know, well, the freak's sitting there killing someone at the time, you know, running over this girl's face. Well, I can make fun oh, wow. of that because this girl's not real, so it's okay. I can make fun of her dying. You know, when it's real people, you got to be a little more sensitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I uh, was reading the manuscript uh, after I agreed to publish it, because I, I always do that with my authors anyway. If you publish one book with me, uh, you know, uh, you could publish anything else. Uh, if there's something wrong with it, then we work with it and stuff, and it eventually gets published anyway. But I was reading through that, and I was going, it's the same writing style as Family Man, which is good because you know how to write, and you know how to tell a story. You know how to shape a story. Your descriptions are great. Your characters are great. It's just, you know, it all just works out. But this was very different um, uh, because as I started, I probably got through like the first like three or four chapters before I started realizing, you know what, this is like my cup of tea completely because I, too, am a big like 80s horror fan. And it just, uh, that's the way that it reads. 
is uh, there's no monumental like catastrophes, no big, you know, hoopla or anything. It's just um, it's just a guy in a moped that goes around killing people and the characters surrounding it and what he does and the reasons why and the things. And and uh, I could totally see it as an '80s movie. You know, oh, um, if one of us be. ever wins the lottery or gets really successful where we have a ton of money, we should put out a bounty on um, the, uh, the the footage for your film. You know, film. I, mean, I still have the rights. The movie can still be made. I mean, you know, I own the rights to everything, so it could still happen. It would just have to be totally reshot. And, you know, at this point, I've aged out of the role. Um you know, and most of the other people that were in the roles at the time have aged out of those roles. So it would have to be totally recast and totally reshot. And it was just more than I wanted to get into. But I would love for somebody that did those kind of things, you know, maybe Grindhouse or Bloomhouse or, you know, somebody will pick it up and it would be wonderful. Because I think it would be great for people that, you know, enjoy things like Scream and Friday the 13th and stuff. I think they would love it. You know what? I I just uh, I just uh, it just this is kind of a little important. Um, I have my fingers as a publisher in so many different things. More often than not, things don't pan out and and stuff. And then, of course, it's so many things where it's hard to like. I can't do everything at once. Pay attention to everything at once. All somebody has to do is email me and say, you know, I want to make a deal with you or something. But um, I, I put a lot of our books out to see what happens, kind of like fishing, you know. Um, oh, yeah. I'm and uh, there's, a, uh, um, there's a thing online. Oh, I forgot what it's called. But it's, it's a uh, website where mostly you pay for it, but if you have a few books to put up, it, uh, you, it, um, it's like a marketplace for producers looking for commodities that are like books that can be turned into film. And I know I have Price of Fear up there. I think I have one of my other authors. It, it's been a while, but it just with the conversation now, it just uh, occurred to me that um, I should take another look at that and put up like uh, uh, Freak on a Moped. Uh, I think I have, no. like, uh, for free, I think I have a limit of four or five books on there. Oh, it's it's yeah, been a while. It. They might have changed their policy, but, um, yeah. But uh, something like that, what? though, we can find other avenues. Because uh, between oh, me and Francie, too, we know a lot of independent film producers yeah, and directors. I, I, and and, and, and Francie, maybe I, I, we can I, even I, hit up David Madison or or some of these people no, about because somebody, the thing is freak on a moped is simple to produce. We actually oh, yeah. know a grindhouse actor who who does a lot of grindhouse movies. Well, actor, we yes, go. but we're looking at producers, people that can. Okay, they have, but because, he knows because that a freak on a moped. It wouldn't cost that much to actually produce. Just. Okay, the but cast, we do, this, you know, the vision, we do the whole, know the a grindhouse actor who knows a lot of grindhouse producers that works for grindhouse. Well, grindhouse is isn't a corporation. It's the terminology. There is grindhouse okay, pictures. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, we just got to get it in the right hands. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something. But I might you a few directions, Chuck, help me out with that. I might have a few ideas. I'm okay. getting you back know, fully into black bed sheet with, uh, you know, the spring releases and the stuff that I have to do and stuff. Uh, I, I went through like a month and a half of doing nothing but um, selling stuff of mine on eBay to make ends meet. And Francie just got a job. And that helps out immensely. So now I can like start concentrating fully again on on my on my you know lot in life, um, well, my uh, my mission selling enough to books. publish books. So yeah, hopefully um, William and Tom and I are selling enough books to help you along some. <laughs> oh yes, certainly, yeah, certainly. Exactly. And I already did your royalty statement. I, I'm terrible, but I, I did most of everybody's royalty statements already. I'm kind of waiting to finish so I can send them all out. And mass, <laughs> so you, you have been, probably you might have be been tomorrow. But uh, and I'm thinking about the family man you. did very well. Awesome. Uh, as a yeah, matter of it, fact, it, it, I mean I'm a small press, so it's not like millions of dollars like Valentine or Simon and Schuster. But I mean it's still. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, yeah, I can for people listening, especially authors that are listening, um, uh, the uh, the biggest ones, the biggest sellers uh, have usually. Uh, been uh, Patrick James Ryan's books, um, The Price of Fear by Joel Eisner, which is great. Vincent Price, one of the best Vincent Price's books on the market, and uh, and then also My Halloween Four. Uh, but Family Man is um, now really a big like staple for Black Bedsheet. It's like the top four. Awesome! I'm so glad to hear that. And, and, and that it's one. still kind of picking up steam. We did. I did get the audio book uh, recorded. It's being um, mixed and put together right now for you. So I just talked to the guy that I worked with on it, and he said he should have it completely finished up here in the next month or so. Um, We do have permission to use some of Manson's actual music on the audio book, so we're putting it in there. so I think that's going to really help us because it's crazy, and it, I can't believe how many people come up to me at conventions and shows and stuff and are so interested in the book, but they're like, oh, but I don't, I don't read. I don't have time to read. Do you have the audio book? And I'm like, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> so I think that's going to really help too because I think a lot of people would listen to it that don't have time or just, you know, it. like I said, I can't even fathom people that say they don't enjoy reading, but some people don't. You know, oh, but they'll yeah. listen to a story. They'll listen to a podcast. They'll listen to an audio book. So, so that's done. So hopefully we're going to have that audio book on the market soon, and that'll open some avenues. Um, also, I've been asked to go do a convention, I think, in September. I need to look back at the date in Virginia. And they want me to do a Manson symposium, do a Manson Q and A session there. Wow! Which should nice. which should also be really good to help you know open some doors for the book because if people come to that, they're definitely going to be interested in the book. Yep, without a doubt. Oh, definitely, and you do very well. You're very knowledgeable about it, so I mean, they'd be very impressed with that. That would sell by itself. Just your knowledge of the whole thing, and 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 uh, uh, um, it, it would get people interested in the book because you definitely know what you're talking about. 
You're not like somebody that just said, oh, one day, I, I'm going to write a book about Charles Manson and put a fake character in there. Whatever, you really did your research. You know, what's crazy is when I started researching, I had no, no, no reason whatsoever to do it except for my own personal knowledge and satisfaction. I had no plans whatsoever to write a book about it. Um, the book really came about after after I had written the short stories, you know, that you had published the short story in the Georgia Screeches thing, and I was talking to Joe Moe at one of the Deads, Days of the Deads, and I kicked the idea around to him, and he's like, that sounds great. You should do it. Um, and then why I came up with the fictional character really was because I talked to so many different people and had so many different sources, and I didn't really want it to be like I mean, there's another, there's eighty or ninety Manson books out there, and they're all the same. They, you know, they're all either court based or only history. You know, when he was seven years old, he went to reform school. When he was nine years old, he did this. When he, and I didn't want to tell that story because that story has been told and told and told, and then you hear the helter skelter yeah. version of events, and there's. 15 other books that basically rewrite Helter Skelter, which most people take as the Bible of the case, and it's just not. No. Um, and so that's I mean, why I wanted to dig deeper and look into things. And there's some underground stuff out there, and I used a lot of those underground sources for mine, but I wanted it to be something that someone that didn't know all the deep diving, someone that didn't have to spend seven or eight years researching it. I wanted to tell it in a way that, okay, you're sitting here with this guy who lived it. And so that, I just thought that would be an interesting way to present it and tell it. And plus it involved – I met my wife cried at the end because she was so invested in the Shep storyline. She cared about Shep. She didn't care about Manson. She cared about Shep, and Shep's not even real. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Well, you see, that's that what you know when you're off to a good start with it. So. Yeah, but she was so invested in the fictional character that she was just like, I care more about his story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that's what I was shooting for, but okay, I'll take it. That's awesome, though. You know, I almost forgot about Georgia Screeches. and stuff. i got to get back with Joe Moe, see what he's doing with Days of the Dead. Lately, uh, stuff. It's been a actually, like I said, month and a half. But even the last year, with my mom dying and things changing around here and stuff, um, uh, I, I've just been concentrating on what's in front of me. Keep forgetting about, um, you know, um, uh, and I got to do more anthologies like that too. But Georgia's creatures. That's that's actually. Uh, Connecting the dots, that's that's the thing that got my attention with you, uh, was uh, was that anthology and everything. Uh, for for those who don't know that are listening, uh, um, how did that – explain to people how that came, came about and what your uh, story is in that. Um, Days of the Dead, of course, is a horror convention. I think they run it in three or four cities nationwide. They run Charlotte, Atlanta, 
um, Chicago and I think LA. I know I think that's right, um, but you can look them up. Go to dot com. Yeah, and so. I've known Joe Mo for years through Mad Monster and uh, just attending the Mad Monster conferences originally. And then I started, with, like I said, when I started doing the film work. So um, I put in an independent horror film about three or four years ago. Well, I actually put one out. This was after Freak on a Moped had been shot. I, it had, like I said, nothing ever happened with it. So I ended up doing a short film called I Hate Christmas just to make sure I could do it and do it correctly, and I did it well. Um, it got picked for Mad Monsters Film Festival. So I went up to Mad Monster. I basically had no product except DVD copies of I Hate Christmas. <laughs> and um, it got in the film festival. And so I went up there and made zero money, but I met a lot of people. And I had met Joe Mo at shows before, but just as an attendee. But when he knew I had the film there and all, he was very supportive. We started talking. We became good friends. And he's been a huge supporter. Um, so I think I saw on his page, maybe. Then when he went to Days of the Dead and all, I saw where they were going to do those anthologies and saw that Joe was editing. And so I just took a shot at it. And I'm like, you know, Joe, I write. I've got some short stories around I would love to contribute you know, to have considered. And he's like, yeah, definitely send them in. So, you know, you guys selected one, um, a story called The Buzz for Georgia Screeches. And so that was kind of my introduction to Nicholas. And luckily he liked my writing style for the short story. And so when Joe and I, you know, talked about Family Man and he said, yeah, send it to Nicholas. I think he would be interested in it. And if, you know, or he could hook you up with somebody that is or might be. And um, that's what's funny is I think the first time I'd spoken with you was, you know, I told you what my concept was and you were like, eh, there's so many books on Mance and I'm not interested, you know, but I'll, I'll see if I can find, I'll see if I can hook you up with somebody or something, something to that effect. And then I sent it to you. I sent like the first five chapters or something to you and you got back with me like a week later and said I would like to publish your book and since then it's been awesome and, and I'm going to give you yeah, a little yeah. bit of behind That's the scenes the I'm going to give you a little bit behind the scenes uh, okay this is what Nick said to me when he got your email holy crap I can publish nope, nope. a book about Charlie Manson. Dude, I <laughs> I cannot tell you how that was Nick's response. He he was like, Holy crap, I just got a submission to do a uh, Charles Manson book. And so in I, I was really amazed about the angle. About the angle uh, of it. I, I thought that that was really unique and I could do something with it. And not very often something like that falls into my lap. I look for things like that, but, I mean, predominantly it's, you know, somebody sends me a story. If I really dig it, I don't really care about your background or anything. I just kind of figure that I, I'll, I'll figure out how to promote it, put it together. If it has problems, you know, I go to the author and say, uh, there's, there's a couple of things, but, you know, 
Uh, but uh, I, I and I'm really for small press and unsung people that that don't normally get published that have potential and everything. But I mean, there's there's um, potential money makers that um, uh, don't often come across my desk. Some do, and then it, they turn out not to be like what they are. Like, uh, for example, recently the past couple of weeks, a Nightmare on Elm Street thing. But it, they don't have the rights to it, and you know. And so there's different reasons for different things. But this, this is one of those like like the price of fear, that uh, kind yeah. of, you know uh, fell into my lap <laughs> one day, and I, I wasn't sure about um, a Charles Manson, like you said. Book at, at first, um, and then I saw the stuff, and then I got really excited about it. It's because of the yeah. angle too. Even though um, Nick, Charles you're downplaying it. Tell. You were was, extremely really, excited. About it. I was really excited when I got the whole concept of it. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, I was. And it's like yeah. I, I do that behind the scenes too. One of these yeah, days, when, so like when I'm when 90, they'll make a, a small made-for-Netflix TV movie about my life, and I'll, and it'll, it'll show like the, oh look, I got this book, Francie, come here, come here. <laughs> you, you were, you were one of them, and the only other one really was The Price of Fear. That's when I have seen Nick the most excited about he wow this is wow i get to publish this i couldn't understand i couldn't wrap my head around how the guy was shopping around that book for 10 years vincent price literally worked with him on it before he died and it oh, has uh, a one-of-a-kind um specific for that book forward by uh, Peter Cushing and, and I'm going why couldn't anybody else publish this what what I mean not that I was complaining but and and Joel's reason for that was people didn't know who he was it's like what well it, it makes no sense yeah it's like they well, have to have a certain formula and if people don't fit that exact formula they don't want to mess with it it's crazy i mean the music business is almost the same way, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so oh, I yeah. With the, you. Well, what you have to still bring to the plate with uh, family members, with the audiobook, with the music, and all—that's just a whole other nine yards. That's, that's just amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and you so know, what? I will tell record, you that for the record, you were fancy, being... Hold on. For, for the record, I am so glad that I did that stuff with Jomo. I hope to do it again more. Um, for no, awesome. um, reasons why I met people like you. I, I mean, for any other way. reason, the best part of it is meeting people, publishing people, getting to know people like you, because you're a huge talent. You're not. I mean, you're, there's many layers of Chuck W. Chapman. A at the beginning, it was guy submitted a short story for an anthology, and then, oh, you have a book about Charles Manson, and, oh, you have another book that was actually made into a movie with all the, you know, stuff that went on with that. But, I mean, and then your, and then your music, which is a whole other bag of chips. And I've heard your songs, not all of them. I, I've, I've seen what you can do. So it's like you're, you're like 100%, man. 
you know, and it makes, you're one of the people that makes my job, my lot in life, what I chose to do with my life, worth it. Well, thank you, Ness. That means so much, man. It really does. Now, he sincerely means that. He, when, he, when your book fell into his lap, he was so excited with, uh, with the family, with, now, uh, now, Francie, I, I want to interject on one second because okay, he wasn't ahead, the only please. one. Well, he, he he wasn't the only one excited about that because um, Chuck, I, I hope you, you better sit down for this one because uh, you know I, I still have to laugh and chuckle about it uh, even now. But um, yeah, Francie called me after. Uh, after everything was all signed, sealed, delivered, and confirmed. And uh, she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I have the most amazing news for you. You are not going to believe this, and he's going to be on the show. And I'm like, what's that? She goes, Charles Manson just wrote a book about Chuck Chapman. (laughs) I'm like, he did what? How? He's dead. Wait, hold on. (laughs) Chuck Chapman wrote a book about, oh, Jesus, Nick! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that, you know, yeah, and you're fun. You can take a joke, and, you know, you're you're like the perfect guest, and that's why I know that Tom Sawyer actually does have a migraine, because Tom Sawyer loves you, too, by the way, Chuck. Oh, I I, I just think I'll give Tom a plug, a much-deserved plug. I just finished reading Tom's In Rod We Trust, and it is awesome. I love it. It's a, it's a great book. So oh, if anyone yeah. hasn't picked up Tom's book, they need to do so. Oh, that's great. Um, Definitely. Tom, probably I love be it when my authors read tomorrow. each other. I even, I mean, i got to make this clear, everybody. I, I, I post this on, like, our group page on Facebook and just broadcast it. Every, I, I've done it before. Nobody pays attention. <laughs> But um, if you go on the blackbedsheetbooks.com website, any author can get anybody else's books, um, e-books, for free. Free downloads all around. Everybody. You could just read each other's freaking books. They're free. Not the paperbacks, but the e-books. Just download them. (laughs) And review them. And review them. Yeah, read Werewolf. That was a pretty talented author also. I don't know who wrote that one. (sighs) Oh, that was that that, that uh, Wacky Weatherman chick. uh, Nick, what was her name again? That that blonde blonde hair woman that, you know, she's a ditzy blonde, but, uh, you know, gets off subject. (laughs) <laughs> because I love to read, but I have so little time because I'm writing books. I'm writing, you know, I'm doing film work. I'm doing music. You know, I did just pick up a record contract with a label called Bentley Records out of New York. Nice. Um, so, so I'm going to be putting a new full-length CD out. In fact, they want me to deliver it to them by the end of May. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but we're going to try so um okay. that's why I was kind so of when like that the, comes the out you're gonna book. you're gonna remember us, right? And you're gonna say, Hey, yeah. I wanna do 
Of course. And I know the, oh. the, the newest book that I have that I've been working on, I know I mentioned Nick a while back, but is a collection of my song lyrics over the years and my weird poetry over the years, which is really dark and depressing. It's kind of sad when I go back and start looking at all of it together. Um, and then a bunch of my short stories that I had, you know, saved up over the years and some new stuff, of course, as well. And I think that would be a great companion piece for that book to be, you know, out around the same time as the CD comes out because it will have a lot of the lyrics from the songs on the CD in there. Um, so I think right. that would be something wow. that's so good at my live music shows and stuff. And the that tentative is so title, awesome. of course, of course Nicholas has to approve everything, but the tentative title for that would be Poetry, Lyrics, and Other Cries for Help. I don't know whether yeah. to laugh or say, uh-oh. <laughs> or you can say uh, a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah I was going to say it was even more awkward than I said. <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly think that you're very talented. And what's really good is that you're living your dream. You know, I'm having fun. I mean, it's. I feel like God gave me this, these talents, and, you know, I want to make people smile. I want to take people's minds off their worries for a while, whether it's listening to a CD for 45 minutes or it's watching a live show for an hour or it's reading a book for a few days. You know, the world sucks, but it doesn't have to all the time. So if we can exactly. make it suck a little less for people – then I mean I think that's kind of what I was put here to do, you know. I don't I don't think I'm going to get rich off my entertainment endeavors, but I don't have to to feel like I've been successful. The fact that you know someone like Nick believed in me enough to publish my material, the fact that someone like Bentley believes in me enough to put out my music, you know, to me that's success. I don't care how they sell. Of course, I want them to sell because. The more people that hear them and enjoy them, then the better for me, you know, financially yeah. as well as just emotionally and, you know, um, accomplishment-wise. But just the fact that I have people that believe in me enough to put my stuff out is to me success and all I could ask for in and of itself. It's just a double blessing. You know, the fact that I have a publisher – on the West Coast that believes on me and a record company on the East Coast that believes in me is just amazing. And like I said, it really is something that I've worked for for 25 years. And, and, and it's very awesome. well, well earned. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, uh, you know, after uh, hearing your song on, on Francie's show for the first time, uh, I actually threw together a few uh, short stories, even about two or three scripts. So, you know, congratulations on on all of your endeavors. You know, keep up the great work. Oh, thank you so much, man. And, you, hey, you know, you Chuck, trade uh, books, now I like hard uh, copies, so if you want to trade books, William, I'm down for it, man. That's how that's how um, Tom and I did. He's like, hey, I'd like to have a copy of Phone Man. I'm like, hey, send me one of your books. We'll trade. You know, yeah, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, oh, hard you, copies you are the one, best. 
I used to do reviews for about 10 years, and I only wanted hardcover copies. I mean, not hardcover, uh, hard copies. Uh, and I have a huge collection of them now. They're all signed. I have a special section in my library on the shelves of uh, the people that submitted to me and signed, or that, I, you know, famous people, too, that signed stuff for me, a whole signed section. But uh, oh, it's, wow. uh, there's... There's nothing better than, instead of e-books, um, somebody sending you something to review and signing it for you, you could put it on your shelf, go back to the shelf like a year later, look through the stuff and remember, and just like pick it up again and look through it and go, yeah, I remember this. And, and oh, so remember. one thing, Chuck, um, is uh, this is well enough in advance because we're in April right now. Um, I would love it. Whether it's possible or not, or whatever, um, uh, for you to be a part of our uh, big Halloween shindig this year, if you can possibly get here, we have accommodations. Bring your your guitar, and everything is always oh, free. Yeah. So we would like invest in like giving everybody free copies of like Freak on a Moped or whatever. And figure out how that's going to work because it ain't money. It's money. But, I mean, we always – we don't sell anything on Halloween. We give everything away, and people come here, like uh, uh, about 900 people, whatever, and, and even more. If uh, you break, break, broke out, break, broke out your guitar uh, or something, that would be great. Enough time in advance yeah. to consider it. I, I will definitely look at it. Um if, if not this year, we will definitely plan on it for next year. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. That would be awesome. Yeah, we need some musicians here too, let alone musicians that are technically a part of everything because they have books and they're part of Black Bedsheet. So that, yeah, just, I mean, that would just be like the, the greatest the thing since <laughs> And the, kids here on, the kids here yeah. on Halloween, and we get over what what was, I believe we had over 800 uh, oh, wow. last, last year. We had more before, but uh, COVID is this year probably, since unless something screwy happens again, um, uh, there's going to be more because everything's yeah, more, the you kids, know. The kids, right. we ran out of candy, and I was like, hey, we're out of candy. Maybe take a tour. We're getting candy now at Walmart. They're like, we don't care about the candy. We want the books. <laughs> well, the hey, kids, yeah, yeah. we want the That's books. We don't care about the candy. Give us the, the books. And I was books. like, well, the books are in the backyard, and they're, they were, like, running. They wanted the books. They didn't oh, care about candy. I've literally, I've literally got on to parents at these shows and stuff when a kid would stop and want to buy a book, and the parents are like, you don't need that. I'm like, you're telling your kid not to read? Come on now. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what your kid wants to read. If your kid wants to read, you need to buy him this book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, and I was I was so pleasantly surprised when I said we're out of candy, and uh, they were like we don't care. It was like we're making a trip to Walmart. They're like we don't want the candy. We want the books. And I was like, wow. 
That's awesome. It was like a book fair. I mean, Fred Weehy. Yeah, and I was kind of ill-equipped this year too, but uh, last year, but uh, somebody donated a lot of just like Harry Potter books and a, you know boxes of like just used books from the thrift store or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and and people like there was like five books left out of all those boxes, and uh, and then and people were people that came here before. Uh, they were wondering about the books that I publish and stuff, and they were yeah, all lining we up. And some, it eventually, I wrote this books. on Facebook too. It was an amazing experience. Uh, I felt like I was Santa Claus because I was sitting down, and there were kids like right in front of me with their with their parents and people and stuff like gathering around. It was almost like a Jesus experience, giving them advice. <laughs> about writing and believing in themselves and yeah. and I'm going, do you have any more books? And I'd have to like go, and I sacrificed a lot of stuff that I had on the shelf that I intended on keeping. Yeah, we, I usually one copy of every, every book I publish, and it was just everything was being depleted because because of these damn kids. You know, it's like, uh, but they, they awesome, I mean, it's though. just amazing. It is, it, it is really awesome because they know. Okay, I'm not only going to get candy. I'm going to get. I'm going to get knowledge. Yeah, you know, and if there's one thing that I can, you know, that I think that I can be an in, encourager for, or you know, example for, is keep trying. Don't give up. You know, if you believe in yeah. what you're doing and you're passionate about it, eventually other people will too. I mean. You know, I toured for almost 12 years, almost nonstop, and that was 20, almost 20 years ago now, and now I pick up a record deal. When I was trying to do it so hard then, and nothing ever seemed to happen, then it happened. Don't stop. You know, so, I mean, that's I, I, I was going to tell anybody that, it's, you know, never yeah. give up. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that is, that is true. Yeah. The only Sometimes you have dream... to compromise. You have to, um, you have to have a day job, um, and but you keep pursuing it and coordinate your life accordingly. As long as you you keep pursuing it, if you keep like pounding the pavement, keep like you know uh, doing everything that you can, then eventually something's gonna break. Break. Uh, maybe that's the wrong word. Something's going to give, and um, and it, it's going to lead to other things. Like uh, take you for example with the books too. It started with a short story and an anthology. Now, now um, with that and two books later, here here you are. And a record deal. I mean, come on, you're living the dream. Yeah, with all that <laughs> stuff too. I mean, you're not you're not just a writer. You're like a, a growing rock star. Yeah, I don't know about that, but well, you know, I, I mean, I'm you're having, rock. I'm having fun. Person, and, yeah. and not to mention, it looks there. like Edward Kane, so that's a plus, also. I mean, now, I, will, I will take. I will definitely take Edwin McCain over Joe Walsh. I definitely think that's a step in the right direction. You're, you're getting <laughs> okay, well, totally used. You got that Edwin McCain look, and all the girls are like, "Oh my gosh, Edwin McCain is so cute." You know, we're oh actually God, we're in the same home. You know, you know, Francie, Edwin and I live in the same hometown, right? Yep, yep. 
yeah, we're both from Greenville, and we run into each other occasionally. I, we do know each other. So, hey. um, okay, oh, okay. Small world. Chuck, Chuck, Yeah. Can you say, can, next time you might run into Edwin McCain and say, um, you know, there's another South Carolinian girl. She's doing a blog talk radio show. I mean, you got to switch Patrick, which, you know, may, which, by the way, we would not have gotten Butch Patrick on the show had it not been for Chuck. Just throwing it yeah, out there. That was a good show, too. I got to listen that to that. Was, uh, that was a great did you hear, show. Did you hear that Nick? Was a great show. Did you did you hear Nick? Stay away from my woman, Butch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you thought that, that, was a yeah, I, that I did not recognize your voice. I knew that was you immediately, and I I was messaging you on Facebook, and I was like, Hey, hey, Chuck, <laughs> can you give me Evan McCain? <laughs> Now, now, the difference is I actually know Butch and I'm friends with Butch. Edwin, I just run into occasionally. We're not we're not okay. personal acquaintances. We just we know who each other are. You know, um, he he lives he near have my an office. Facebook page? I'm sure he does. Um, when he was doing the show where he was doing the rock 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 your boat show, you know, oh, he was yeah. doing the um, fixing up the boats, refurbishing the boats. I did some design work for him on some of the boats. So some of the artwork on the boats was was mine. Uh, uh, so, from all you non-South Carolinians, are you non-South Carolinians? Do you even know who Edwin McCain is? Oh, everybody knows Edwin. Everybody knows I'll be. Actually, <laughs> I, I 
I, I have a meatloaf voice, like kind of like a meatloaf John Bon Jovi, kind of a, like well, a loud. Let me, let me just say, Chuck, uh, Chuck really... we are in the after party now, so we get to like hang loose and have fun, and we're in the after party now, that's why I sing. So, you know, you can curse now if you want to, and, you know, we're in the after party, they're going to hear this tomorrow, and they're going to be like, oh, what did we miss? So that's why I think. No, No, we're not live anymore, but they're going to hear this tomorrow if they want to click on the show and say, what did I miss? And they're going to hear all. This is is the after party now. Okay, so this is for the people who are so – that enjoyed the show so much tonight, they listen to it again tomorrow. They're going to listen to it again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah or, or people exactly. throughout the week or, or upcoming weeks and months and stuff. It gets distributed to iHeartRadio and a lot of other places around the world, too. So um, a lot of people, uh, most of the people that listen to this show, listen to it, it in its entirety um, after the fact. Uh, so, you know, it's just for yeah. live listeners right now. They were cut off. But they could listen to the whole show, um, you know, as soon as tomorrow. But most people that do listen listen to the whole show after the fact. That's really cool. That that is cool. And like, yeah, uh, yeah. And we're on, yeah. like on speakers. We're like on speakers. dot com. I don't even know what speakers is, but I keep getting emails from speakers saying, "Hey." <laughs> Uh, your show got this much listeners. I we're on iTunes. We're on Apple. Okay. You, we're, you, you said the last. I, I, I did not know well, we so were all these well. places. Ah, surprise! Surprise! Yeah, surprise! Surprise! Well, girl, I know I'm a little ADD. Hard. I jump. I'm a little ADD. I jump around a lot, so hopefully I stayed on track pretty well. You 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 were you, you were awesome. Oh yeah, as always. <laughs> That's I know what I, I was going to say. I, we you, jump around a little because... too. You might oh, as yeah. well jump. You might as this, well this, jump. Go ahead and jump. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of One, jumping, jump, you jump, know. Jump. Did you know, um, this is one of the guys that we were talking about, uh, you know, David Madison's probably going to be listening to us tomorrow, and uh, David Madison is actually uh, a listener, and he's been a guest. Do you know he knows David Lee Ross? Oh, yeah, yeah David Lee Ross like- sung on, on, on the show once briefly. Oh, really? Actually. You want to hear the clip? Chuck, you want to hear the clip? One amazing thing, well, among many about Francie regarding her show is over the years, I mean, well, probably the biggest part is when she interviewed me and then I flew to South Carolina and brought her back here and the rest (laughs) is history. But over the years, I mean, uh, her blog talk radio show, it's been amazing. We've had like... uh, a lot of famous people um, that uh, became friends with us and that we would talk to 
just, you know, on an average day without the show going on, just and I couldn't believe some of the conversations I would just have with, with people over the phone, and, and let alone some of the conventions that you'd broadcast from and go around with the phone. It's like not a microphone or a camera or anything. It's like I just got my phone and a... Hey, uh, um, uh, so we, and so, we uh, interviewed you know, like, uh, here, yeah. Talk on the phone yeah. for a minute. You're live. It's like it's incredible. And well, some well, of the hosts, so co-hosts that she's had on her show in the past too, like Craig Spector um, of John Skip and Craig Spector fame. And I grew up reading their horror novels. Uh, and she's Chef also Maddie. had John Skip. I, I got down Chef with John Maddie Skip at a from convention. Hell's Kitchen. But it's like a, it, it, it's just hobnobbing with these people that that are important, that are icons that you grew up with. Uh, it's it's yeah, amazing. You know, you guys are so authentic. You're so real. And I mean, people can see that. I mean, I think that's one reason why people connect with me well is because I'm a real guy. You know, I am who I am. You are a real guy. I think people can see that. You know, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I, mean, I, I get to, you know, and when I'm at conventions, when I meet all these people, you know, some of the horror people are just amazing, and most horror people are really, really amazing that, and down to earth. Yeah, that's yeah, what, this oh, is yeah. true. What's incredible is when you meet the horror people, they are amazing. It's a community. They're they're so nice, and if you meet a comedian, they are nasty. Like, dude, yeah, you but, need to write a horror book. <laughs> Get all that evil <laughs> out of you. Kill yeah, those people. You know, in my experience, really, and I've been through like many, many conventions, um, uh, and mostly like 95% of them, I was either a special guest or had a table, whatever. I had business there. I wasn't just like, you know paid my ticket and walked around and said hi to everybody, you know. Um, it's always like, a, usually business. Um, and uh, because I'm a horror person, um, I've been to some sci-fi conventions and fantasy predominantly, you know, conventions. And with horror conventions, from the early days, it's amazing to me. I don't know if they're different nowadays. It's been a while. But, um, and and I don't mean to, you know, you know, like um, uh, say anything bad about the other genres, but the horror people seem so much more down to earth. Science fiction people mostly are like intellectual geeks that have their opinions and they argue amongst themselves about Star Trek. Um, and they're not, but the horror people seem to be down to earth. Um, no matter, and I grew up Christian, for example. And religion is not even a part of it. You can, like, talk to Wiccans and Satanists and normal, average, everyday people or people just like me that have, like, a fundamental religious foundation um, or, like, different, like, um, points of view about life in general. And you could all be in the same room and just get together over the love of horror. And horror in itself is like, you know, monsters killing people, bloodshed, you know, it's not, it, it ain't no, like, Lifetime TV, even though Lifetime TV is pretty violent, but, um, or romance novel conventions, or, you know, whatever, um, but they all have that in oh, common, so, there's this vis- 
visceral thing amongst us because of the nature of what we're all about and what we all write about that just seems to be a little bit different than the other genres and the other uh, you, just, do you think it might be I've because that, of and it's still horror, you think it might be because a lot of horror movies are considered uh independent no i think it's the frame of mind i i, I really I, think I so but we're that. not like ge- as geeky as some of the other genres can be or um it, what's the word probably the anal yeah, and, you know, I think it really... extends to the actors and stuff in the movies as well, you know, because I've worked, obviously, you know, worked in the film industry some and in music and all as well. And it's just something about the horror genre, just it's anyone involved in it. it, it now, there's exceptions. Um, I mean, we, we have our assholes, too. But in general, oh, yeah. Yeah. it seems like, you know, it seems like there's way more of it being real people, real down to earth people, and and it's just odd because, like I said, I've dealt with a lot of you know other famous people in other other genres, whether it be through main, mainstream film or um, even local television. I've got I know some local television celebrities that are much bigger jerks than some of the biggest horror stars are. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Yeah, I have to say a disclaimer. Um, When you go to a Comic-Con as a fan and you walk the premises and you you enjoy yourself, there's not really – you might come across somebody at a table that's an actor that's a little pretentious, but overall everybody's having fun. They they, um, do their costumes, this and that and stuff. My perspective, um, saying what I just said – is from my point of view, hanging out at parties and seeing the fans' perspectives of of, of things and and uh, and stuff. And they, yeah, it's a, it's a, from that point of view, it's overall like more of a like a, we know better than you. It's like a, oh, who knows more about Star Trek than the other person, or you're wrong about this or the, that. And with the horror people, it's just more like a kind of like a. Back, I'll say this forever, but that my experience, it's just so amazing. Anyway, okay, I'll stop. By you. Not in I, I, I will say that Chainsaw Sally called me the devil. Chainsaw <laughs> Sally said, you're the devil. I, I gave her a few drinks. That's because you're getting the whole convention hungry. drunk. Oh yeah, well that can do it. You were going to every table, giving everybody schnapps and alcohol, and you were getting everybody. We 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 had the table covered, and everybody is like, uh, "Yeah, I want this drink." We were the bard table, like that, and we were supposed to hide it, so it was all in red cups, and we were fixing the drinks. And uh, everybody, we got everybody drunk Friday night, Saturday morning. Nick and I were the only ones who showed up on time, and they were like, and and Nick and I was like, where's everybody at? Oh, you know what? That's great. I just thought of this. 
that's a great promotional tool to get people to buy more of your books and more of your stuff and pay attention more to you. Get everybody wasted the night before but you. <laughs> that way the next day you're like lively, you're there, you got your stuff, and everybody is Wait. all, I don't care, I don't give yeah. a rat's ass. And they like, yeah, hey, there we there's a torture. We were like, how are you feeling? He's like, Oh, Mr. Drugger's had too much snobs yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Chainsaw Sally, she's like, you're the devil. A perfect example, though, of how humble the horror community can be and how cool and stuff. And I think it's different when you're just there as a fan because if you're there as a fan, you're giving these people money to be nice to you. So most yeah. Oh, yeah. I think uh-huh. when you see it from our perspective when you're all kind of on the inside and you're, you know, actually competing with them for the dollar and they still treat you well, I think that's what really says stuff about people. Um, I mean, just like the past, uh, like a couple of weeks ago, I literally got a personal message from Joe Bob Briggs telling me how much he enjoyed meeting me in Atlanta. Oh, um, that's wow. fantastic. How freaking cool yeah, is that? Yeah, Joe Bob Briggs, uh, 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 convention after convention. I, I didn't grow up with him. I didn't watch him on TV. I didn't know who he was, but over a period of time, I, you know, I got the gist and everything. Couldn't figure it out, and he seemed like he was like a little – he was respect, receptive to the fans. But um, he was kind of like closed off to a lot of the other people that have tables around him and stuff. But um, um, uh, over the course of time – I figured out that he's really personable. A lot of these people that do conventions that have tables, they get tired, they get a little cranky, they, you know, they, for whatever reasons. And and uh, it, it, sometimes you see them in that state, and sometimes you see them how they really are too. So you really have to. Um, these a lot of these celebrities at these conventions and stuff, they. There's a lot other things that you have no idea what's going on um, uh, in their mind, where they, you know, if they have jet lag or whatever the case and stuff. But yeah, just like you know, Chuck was just saying too. It's it's really I'm not really talking about them, like I said too. It's just the like the after parties, the the fans and the the you know the hardcore, like you know, really, really, yeah, yeah. Separates the sheep from the goats. I just you know, he didn't have to acknowledge me. I mean, I I talked to him there. I had no reason in the world to believe that he would have any clue or remember who I was. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, I get a message from him. Hey, enjoyed meeting you in Atlanta. Thanks for stopping by. Nice. Look forward to look forward to you know talking with you some more and stuff. And I'm like, how cool is that? Let's send him a book. <laughs> yeah, you might as well. I, I, I actually gave him a movie while I was there. So, you know, oh. so but I didn't know, like I said, I figured, you know, how many people go up and put movies in his hands at those things, you know, and how many of them even make it back on the plane with him? How many of them don't just end up in the. Yeah, I'm like, you'll probably get. I know, yeah, I know. The door. You know, but he actually you never know. sent me a message and acknowledged it and said, hey, thanks for dropping that off. I enjoyed meeting you. You know, look forward to watching it and all this kind of stuff. I thought that was super cool. 
Hey, yeah, yeah, oh, mean, that's great. Yeah, he's been here in Sacramento a few times too, and had a few tables away from us. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing for somebody like that um, to make a living doing what he does uh, without really being in front of the camera, being the guy that reviews everything. It's like uh, over a long period of time, and have people grow up with watching him review stuff on TV and. You know, and, and, and uh, speaking of convention, no. oh. go ahead, Nick. Oh, yeah. no, not no. I'm, I, oh, I'm I was going to say, speaking of convention, here. we were at the Comic-Con here in Sacramento. Uh, your guy, you wanted to wait in line, and we were actually live on, on Francie and Friends. We were doing a live show. Remember that, Nick? Oh, wait, I don't remember what you got to, like, we've done a lot of. When we were saying, well, okay, uh, there was a a karate guy that had a uh, show. He was also on another movie about um, some outsiders, and there was no line there, and we were broadcasting live, and we thought maybe we can do an interview, but it was going to cost us money to get past the guy. Oh, you're talking about Ralph Macchio, yeah. No, I was not (laughs) supposed to say the name. Why? He's not going to sue us. He was just really pretentious and would not have it. We interviewed yeah, even Luke Mayo like, at the convention. And it was like and really we great. We got like some footage of it. And... Luke Frignall oh, was there. And uh, Luke Frignall was Oh, yeah, he was technically like, was on oh, your show. It was all live. But then Ralph Macchio would not. He he wanted to charge us. And we said no. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we were like, That's hello. Crazy. Yeah, well, he, hey, I mean, and I even looked at him. I was like, and I said, "Can I interview you?" And he's he he turned his head. He was shorter than me. Yeah, he's he's not big. I saw him at a con in Tennessee. He is he is a very small guy. He is yeah. completely small. I took American karate. I could have like. Jeff crossed him like immediately, and he would have been like, "What the fuck?" And I would have been like, "Oh, I just interviewed yeah. you for Francie and Friends." Okay, so yeah, you know, I'm then, I'm six foot one, and one person that yeah, I heard rumors, but I wasn't that sure. I mean, you're, you're never sure until you meet them in person. Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was at the Capitol in Sacramento and stuff, uh, and he, he passed sure. by me. He's like, uh, wow, I'm going, I I mean, I know that in a lot of his scenes and movies, they like have him propped up a little bit to make him look taller, but I had no idea. Oh, he passed by you? He, Even in his movies with Danny DeVito, they they must have like had him stand on something to make him look taller, but he's more like Danny DeVito than that. It's like a... Not quite, but I mean, man, that's wow. that. That's <laughs> me. 
But that, uh, that one thing that I was kind of bringing up a point is when you when you have a celebrity, Ralph Macchio, okay, um, you were the party kid, you did the crane kick, and you did the, and we waited in line for. Oh, come on, Nick! You told me to wait in line. He was the he was the raccoon. He was the raccoon. Yeah, uh, we waited in line, and his assistants were like, oh, yeah, interview him. Yeah, 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 the creative Hellboy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, he was just a couple of tables. We hung out with him for a while, and then I I saw him again uh, at the, uh, I hobnobbed with him for a little while at the uh, uh, Utah uh, uh, World Horror Convention. Yeah, oh, what's his name? That's the, the raccoon. Remember, we were at the Comic Con here. He created Rocket Raccoon. Um, it's kind of like. Yeah. No, yeah, he grabbed the phone and Joe Flynn was trying to host it. And I had this little flip phone, and he's like, What? You're giving me a flip phone? You want me to talk into this flip phone? Give me this flip phone. And he's like, holy crap, we're live on Francie and Friends. And he's like, say yay. You know, and he was like at the number one movie in the world. Oh, yeah. And Ralph Macchio would not even look me in the eye. And, oh, no, yeah. you're talking, okay, not yeah, the Hellboy creator. No, he said he wasn't Rocket Raccoon. That You're talking about, what's his name? He even signed that thing for me I have on the wall in the garage. Yeah, uh, yeah and, uh, Ralph and, and, Macchio. Uh, from, um, um, oh, oh, my goodness, from the dark half. Uh, It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.